This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. اللهم لك الحمد وإليك المشتكى وبك ثقة وعليك التكلان ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهده واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين uh, we are continuing our regular tafsir class uh, of Surah Al-Baqarah. And last week we spoke about verse 102 that speaks about uh, the story of the shayateen and uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam, how the Yahud, because generally speaking we're still speaking about uh, the Yahud and the Banu Israel. And we always have to keep in mind why are we speaking about them? Why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dedicating such a long portion of the surah about the Banu Israel? Because as you mentioned in the beginning, when we started this chapter or this surah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, teaches us in the surah asbabul falah and asbabul najat, reasons of um, why we can be saved or how we can be saved and how we can be destroyed. And Allah gives us namadij, examples of those that have been saved and examples of those that have been destroyed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, this is the way you should follow, O Ummah of Muhammad. And Allah started by first, in the beginning of the surah, separating the people into mu'minun wa kafirun wa munafiq. A believer, a disbeliever, and a disbeliever that claims to be a believer. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts giving us uh, uh, the reason we exist First, uh, the first time Allah gives us a command is worship Allah alone. The first time Allah prohibits something is don't do shirk and give Allah partners. Then Allah spoke to us about the, or taught us about the first human being in this surah, Adam alayhi salam, and how he came to be, and how he made the error, and how he repented. And he is an example for us. In the surah you will come across sometimes people you should follow and imitate and people you should, shouldn't follow. After Allah told us about our story, the beginning of our story, right? the Quran in it is your mention. So Allah then told us about the opposite of Adam, which is Shaitan, who also refused and disobeyed, but he went astray. He never came back, he never made tawbah. Then Allah, after telling us about an individual, or individuals that either one that was upon the haq and one that went astray, Allah told us about the whole ummah that went astray. A whole nation that went astray. Not all of them, of course, but many of them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, okay, so this is how they were with Prophet Musa. Don't be like that with Prophet Muhammad. This is some of the errors they fell into. Don't fall into those mistakes. And this is something that we are keep being reminded. And we are almost at the end of their story. And after this, Allah will then give us an example of one who was an example to all of us, was even an example to our Prophet which is Prophet Ibrahim and his story. The only Prophet whom Allah said to our messenger Muhammad, follow him. So the story of Ibrahim will be mentioned and Allah will speak about him at great length as well once we are done with the story of Banu Israel. Where we left off with the story of Banu Israel and the Yehud was that they threw the, the, their book, the Torah, behind their backs. 
And the way they did us was by not believing in the signs in it, not believing that in it was the mention of Prophet Muhammad, denying the Prophet himself, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah says, فَنَبَذُوهُ وَرَاءَ They threw the Qur'an behind their backs. So, and then we mentioned a qa'idah, a principle. Everyone that leaves off the haqq, Allah then tests that person with batil and falsehood. When you leave the truth, you will go upon falsehood. فَمَاذَا بَعْدَ الْحَقِّ إِلَّا dalal. And what was the dalal that they went with the moment they left acting about the Torah and the Qur'an? It was sorcery and sihir. يَقُولُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلُ وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَدْلُ الشَّيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ Then also um, we mentioned how the Yahud claimed Prophet Sulaiman wasn't a prophet. بَلْ كَانَ سَاحِرًا مُشْرِكًا They said he was a sorcerer and he was a, a, a mushrik. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed that claim and refuted that and said, بَلْ he was a prophet وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانِ One of the reasons why many thought that he was a, a sahir was number one, Allah gave him authority over the jinn like I mentioned last week. But also, or was it the week before? But also because there is a qissa that is mentioned or narrated that Prophet Sulaiman he actually stopped sihir in his time. And he gathered all of the equipment and the things they used to use their sorcery and he buried it under his palace. And after he died, they dug it out. And many of them then said, perhaps the reason he had so much power was because of the sihir. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeating that says, it wasn't Sulaiman that fell into disbelief, teaching us that sihir uh, is a form of disbelief. And we spoke about uh, the story of Harut and Marut. I'm not going to go back into that, inshallah ta'ala. Al-Muhim, the, the Yahud, they adopted sorcery and sihir rather than adopting the Torah and the Quran. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 103, in three, they says, So they chose uh, kufr, disbelief. They chose sihir. And Allah is saying, and if they had believed, if only they had believed, and then what is the logical progression of faith and iman? Taqwa. If they believed and had taqwa, instead of what? Following the shayateen and disbelieving, if they believed and had taqwa, a reward. They would have been given a great reward from who? Which is better for them? If only they knew. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if only they followed the prophets, if only they had faith in Prophet Muhammad, if only they left off the sorcery and the sihir and this disbelief, you will find the Quran, iman and taqwa. They have a relationship, iman and taqwa. Allah says in Surah Yunus, Indeed, the awliya, those who are close to Allah, those who are near to Allah, they will have no fear and they will have no grief. They won't fear that which is coming, nor will they feel sad about that which has passed. Why? Because they are the awliya of Allah. And who is the kind of person that doesn't fear what's coming? and doesn't grieve over what's in the past, the person that's in Jannah. In other words, the awliya of Allah, those who are the saints, those who are near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they end up in Jannah. And then Allah gave a description. Who are they? Those who have faith. Those who have belief. Real iman. 
وكانوا يتقون عندها التقوى and what is taqwa taqwa uh, has been explained by the sahaba and every many sahaba and tabi'in they would give different definitions but it revolves around the same meaning taqwa one of the uh, ways to understand something is to look at the linguistic meaning of it before we look into the islamic meaning so taqwa comes from the word waqa which is to protect and to prevent right it comes from wiqaya there's a famous statement al wiqaya to khairun min al ilaj prevention is better than to cure to prevent covid from happening to you is better than to seek the cure right so this is wiqaya so what are you preventing what are you protecting yourself from from allah's anger from allah's wrath from hellfire from sin you're protecting yourself how do you protect yourself by following the truth this is taqwa ali ibn abi talib said radiyallahu anhu at-taqwa hiya al-khawf min al-jalil wal-amal bit-tanzil wal-rida bil-qalil wal-isti'dad liyawm ar-rahil he said taqwa is al-khawf min al-jalil it is to fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so a lot of times half taqwa is translated as fear allah here you learn that it is more than fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Al-Khawf min al-Jil, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wal-amalu bit-tanzeel, and act upon that which has been revealed. I really like the wording, Wal-amalu bit-tanzeel, and act upon that which has been revealed. Rather than saying, Wal-amalu bil-Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is not the only thing that has been revealed. The sunnah of the Prophet is also revelation. The Qur'an is revelation. The sunnah is also revelation. Both came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are differences, of course. The Quran is the literal word of Allah. The sunnah is inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Because nothing that we do came from the Prophet. It was all divine revelation and inspiration. So to act upon that which has been revealed from the Quran and the, and the sunnah. And then what? وَالْرِضَى bil Be pleased with the small things Allah has given you. And this is very important. When you are pleased with what Allah has given you, you won't transgress. You won't seek out the haram. You are, be pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. Be happy with your creator and be happy with what you have been given. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that, that gives the fadl and the rizq and the rahmah. It is Allah that divides this. Right? Some are rich, others are poor, some are knowledgeable, others are not. Some are, Allah divides this. So whatever Allah has given you, be pleased with it. And finally, وَالْإِسْتِعْدَادِ Be prepared. For what? الْيَوْمِ الرَّحِيلِ For the day of traveling. These four things he said, istaqwa. Fear Allah, act upon the revelation, be pleased with what Allah has given you, and prepare yourself for the eventual travel and journey that we are all upon. And some other scholars, they give many, many other explanations. There's one that I really like as well, which is um, that taqwa, is, is one of the salaf said this, he said, Imagine yourself on a road full of thorns and spikes and dangerous things. And then imagine yourself blind or blindfolded. No doubt that you're going to hurt yourself, correct? Now imagine you have someone guiding you. Would you listen to that person when they tell you to stop? Go, go right, go left, you would. The road is your life and this dunya. The thorns and the spikes and dangerous stuff, this is the dhanub, the sin. Right? The shubuhat, the doubts, everything that can lead you astray. And you, you are blind. And who is that person guiding you? The book of Allah and the sunnah of our Prophet. Listen to the sunnah of the Prophet and the book of Allah the way you would listen to that guide. Right? This is what taqwa is in the end of the day. 
If you have faith and taqwa, so what does Allah say here? If only, if only they had taqwa, iman and taqwa, what would have happened? They would have been rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If only they knew. But they did know. They did know. Allah is saying, if only they knew. But they did know. Because Allah said in the previous ayah, They know those who bought into the sihir and acted upon it, they knew that if they did that, they would have nothing in the hereafter. So in the previous verse, Allah is telling them that they did know, yet they chose to do it. And here Allah is saying, if only they knew. So, did they know or did they not? Knowing something intellectually is not the same as the ilm that is nafi'ah. They knew what they were doing was wrong. How many of us know that a certain sin is wrong, yet we still do it? Right? The knowledge that doesn't prevent you uh, from doing the sin or the knowledge that doesn't have action with it is not true knowledge. In Surah An-Nisa, Allah says, uh, um, those that commit sin, while they are ignorant. Allah doesn't mean that you did the sin and you had no idea it was a sin. It means العاصي, the sinful person, when he is sinning, jahilun is ignorant. So when the adulterer is committing adultery, he's ignorant. Not ignorant that adultery is wrong, but ignorant of the consequences, ignorant of the true nature of that sin, ignorant of how bad it is. Although if someone would ask him, hey, is it halal or haram? He'll say, yeah, it's haram. But that's not the knowledge that what? That benefits. This is why a prophet, he would say, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman. Oh Allah, I ask you knowledge. Nafi'an, that is beneficial. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he said, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا And they knew, that was the knowledge that this was wrong. If only they knew the knowledge that is beneficial that would prevent them. Does that make sense? طيب. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala moves on. We move on to the, to the, to the following verse. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu said, If you hear nida, من سمع هذا nida, If you hear this call, O you who believe, then listen. فَإِمَّا أَمْرٌ Either something good is going to be told that you should do, or something bad that you should avoid. So whenever you hear, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, pay attention. Um, all the Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, there's a scholar, our Shaykh Rahmatullah, he died not too long ago. And he was one of the scholars that read Tafsir in Medina. He was the, 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 one of the scholars of Tafsir in Medina, Shaykh Abu Bakr al-Jazairi. Um... Sheikh Abu Bakr al-Jazairi would say, SubhanAllah, I lost my train of thoughts. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajim So, um, it's a yes, no. He has a book. Jazakumullah khair. He has a book where he compiled all of the ya'iyah al-ladhina amanus and then he explained those. It's called Nida'at al-Rahman. Right? So, he compiled all the ya'iyah al-ladhina amanus and he gives them an explanation in one book. Which is very beneficial, right? Ya'iyah al-ladhina amanu. Uh, Allah says, O oh, you who believe, La taqulu. don't say, Ra'ina. Don't use the word, Ra'ina. Waqulu, instead say, Undurna. Wasma'u and hear and obey, Wilil kafirina adabun 
alim, and indeed for the disbelievers is a painful torment. So, you, hear, you learn two statements here, ra'ina and udhurna, and we'll explain what they mean. Um, this verse had a reason of revelation. The Prophet sallallahu would teach his companions, and he would teach them Quran, he would speak to them. And whenever the Prophet was speaking to the companions, they would say to the Prophet, ra'ina, ra'ina. What does ra'ina mean? It comes from the word ri'aya, which is to, um, uh, to take it easy. To, to, um, they, they would say this because they wanted the Prophet to, to repeat what he's saying. Right? So it's almost like repeat, um, tell us slowly, right? Uh, be gentle on us with the information. Yani, this is what they would say. It was a normal thing to say. Ra'ina, ra'ina. Tayyib. The word ra'ina in the Jewish dialect, or the Yehud, it was a statement of insult. Min ru'una, which is uh, someone not very bright. And some said it comes from, they used to say ra'ina, which is, you're our shepherd. You're our shepherd. Like an insult. So the Yehud would say to the Prophet, ra'ina. Or they would say ra'ina, but they would mean that min ru'una, which is uh, something, in, an insulting statement. So now you have the same type of word being said by both the believers and the Yehud. One are using it as an insult, and the other is a respectful term. They just want uh, the, the, the instructions and the, uh, to, to be repeated for them, right? Because there is labs now, there is uh, a khalt, a mixture of haq and batil. And this statement, they did it on purpose. And this is something they used to do often. They would use a word that is ambiguous to turn it into an insult. So we know in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ, that they would say to the Prophet, Assamu alaykum. Assamu alaykum, which means what? Death upon you. And what does Assalamu alaykum mean? Peace be upon you. So we say to the Prophet, Assamu alaykum. This is why one time when they said this, it was the Prophet and our mother Aisha, radiallahu anha. And then our mother Aisha said, radiallahu anha, Bali alaykum assamu wal-la'an. When they said, death upon you, they said, death upon you and the curse of Allah. And she said more statements. And the Prophet reprimanded her and said, don't do that. Just say, and upon you as well. So if they're going to play with words and you're not sure, did they say assam, did you say assalam, just say, and upon you as well. Right? So you can see how they would use these words and they were trying to kind of harm the Prophet and insult the Prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya amanu, you who believe, la ra'ina, don't say ra'ina anymore. Stop using this word. And instead of using a similar word with the same meaning, unzurna, say unzurna, wait for us. Unzurna, it's the same meaning, the same thing, but now this word, it can't be what? It can't be twisted. And then Allah said, Wasma'u. And hear. Sama'a qabulin wa ijab. Here doesn't mean just hear what the Prophet is saying, but hear and also act upon what you're hearing. Wasma'u. As for those that are insulting the Prophet, as for those that are twisting words and trying to insult the Prophet, saying ra'ina and what have you, what did Allah say? Walil kafirina. And for the disbelievers, those who reject the truth and insult the Prophet, adabun is a punishment, alimun, that is painful. May Allah protect us. 
you'll find in the Quran the word adabun alim being used for Muslims that are sinful as well as non-Muslims, kuffar. So Muslims are sinful and kuffar both. Allah mentions that they have adabun alim. Adabun muhin is only used for the kuffar. So the ulama, they extracted many benefits from this verse. One of them is, this is one of the ayahs that you learn a concept called saddu dhari'ah. Sadd al-dhari'ah. What does sadd al-dhari'ah mean? Dhari'ah linguistically means a small path. Sadd means to, uh, to close it. Closing the pathway. There's a concept called in Islam, closing the pathway. Saddu dhari'ah. And the scholars, they say, this, this is one of the verses they took that from, which is to make something unlawful, although in itself it's not harmful, but it might lead to a bigger problem. Right? Stopping something because it might lead to... Ra'ina, when the Sahaba are saying it, were they insulting the Prophet? They were not. But because other people are misusing it, stop it. And this is uh, one of the uh, adillah that the scholars use. So there are some uh, ulama, they will say, something can be deemed haram, not for itself, but for the evil consequences that might happen because of it. Does that make sense? Something might be haram. They say, it might lead to something that is worse. An example is, in the beginning of Islam, in the beginning of Islam, there were two things that were not allowed. But later in Islam, they were allowed. One of them was ruqya. You know, doing ruqya, this was not allowed in the beginning. Right? And also visiting graves was not allowed. Later on, both have been allowed. The Prophet said in a hadith, لا بأس بالرقى ما لم تكن شركاً There's nothing wrong with doing ruqya as long as there's no shirk in it. And he said, كنت نهيتكم عن زيارة القبور I used to prohibit from you visiting the graves but now you can visit them for it reminds you of the hereafter question why was it prohibited at first and then later on it was fine to do it answer is to close the pathway to shirk because a lot of the ruqya that used to be recited it had statements of shirk in them and the Prophet ﷺ closed the whole door. The whole door was closed to it. Later, when Tawheed, when they really understood Tawheed, it was opened up again. Does that make sense? Similarly, the visiting of the graveyards. The concept of venerating people that passed away to the point of worship was something that was known by the Arabs. The Prophet wanting to close that door completely said, don't visit graves. But in Medina, after so many years of understanding Tawheed, of so many ayat being revealed, of the Iman truly entering into their hearts, what did the Prophet say? When he wasn't worried, go and visit graves. For it will remind you of Akhirah. Can we now say today, if people are in a similar problem, you can't visit graves anymore? No, we can't say that. Why? We don't have the right to legislate. We don't have the right to legislate. We have the right to advise. Does that make sense? Tayyib. So that's one of the fawaid of this ayah. Al-Muhim, uh, all you who believe, don't use the word ra'ina. La taqul ra'ina wa qulu say unzurna, unzurna. Walil kafirina adabun alim. Among the benefits of this ayah is also that anna sabbun nabiyyi kufrun. To insult the Prophet is disbelief. To insult the Prophet is disbelief. Anyone that insults the Messenger is not Muslim. 
anyone that insults the messenger is not a Muslim. Uh, Shaykh al-Islam in Taymiyyah and I believe as Subki both have a book on this. Uh, Shaykh al-Islam has a book on this. Al-Sarim al-Maslul fi rasul Right? Which is talking about the ruling of the person that insults the Prophet. The scholars agree anyone that insults the Messenger or Allah is not a believer. That person has to repent and enter into Islam again. What if the person did it in jest? What if the person did it as a joke? What about then? Doesn't matter. In Surah Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ أَبِ اللَّهِ وَآيَاتِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَهْزِئُونَ لَا تَعْتَذِرُوا قَدْ كَفَرْتُمْ بَعْدَ إِيمَانِكُمْ أَبِ اللَّهِ with Allah وَآيَاتِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Allah and the Quran and Allah's Messenger you're mocking don't make any excuses you have become a kuffar after you had Faith. After you had faith. This is one of the adillah, by the way, that this ayah did not come down on munafiqun. Because Allah mentions that they had iman. Kafartum ba'da imanikum. Al-muhim, you can't insult the Prophet Not even in jest. Astaghfirullah al-azim. What did Allah say? وَيِلْكَافِرِينَ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَلَا الْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يُنَزَّلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَخْتَصُّ بِرَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ يَشَاءَ وَاللَّهُ ذُو الْفَضْلِ الْعَظِيمِ Allah said, مَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا من أهل من ما يود الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب ولا المشركين. those who disbelieve from amongst the أهل الكتاب, the people of the book, and they are who? The Jews and the, the Christians. ولا المشركين and the idol worshippers. Like that there should be sent upon you any good from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not like ما يودو. They do not love or like. ما يودو who? الذين كفروا. Those who disbelieved. This is also a dalil, and you mentioned many, that the Ahlul Kitab are kuffar, that they are disbelievers. That although they are Ahlul Kitab, although they have been given books, although at one point in history, they were the, some of them were the followers of the Prophets, the Ahlul Kitab, during the time of the Prophet wasallam, that didn't accept Islam, they are similar to the idol worshippers, similar to all of the Majus and anyone else. They're not Muslims. They're non-Muslims, Right? And in the in the Allah Islam, so they have to accept Islam like anyone else would have to accept Islam. The only reason why they are mentioned as the people of the book and there is that uh, that uh, extra uh, title given to them is because of the fact that they somewhat, albeit incorrectly, hold on to the teachings of Isa and 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 Musa to an ex- small extent, right? طيب. But Allah calls him الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who disbelieve don't like. Don't like uh, and then Allah clarifies who he's talking about. From among the people of the book and from among the idol worshippers, what do they not like? مَا يُنَزَّلُ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ That there should be sent down unto you any good from your Lord. They don't like that. Allah is telling us here what one of the main reasons why there was so much animosity from Quraysh and from the Yahud. Why all this animosity? Why all of this? Allah says, they do not like and yunazzala alaykum khayrun min rabbikum. The fact that good has come upon you from your Lord, they don't like that. And we know this, that the Yahud wished that the Prophet was from 
them. And we know that the Quraysh were jealous that the fact that Prophet Muhammad was the messenger. And this is why in Surah Zukhruf, what did they say? Uh, this Quran should have come. Uh, they are, the Quraysh said, there are people better suited to be a prophet than Muhammad. You had a great man in, in Ta'if and a great man in Mecca. And Allah answers them, أَهُمْ يَقَسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ Allah says, are they the one giving and distributing the rahmah uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or is it Allah? It is Allah. And Allah chose Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But this is one of the key reasons why they had so much animosity. They were jealous. Abu Jahl was jealous of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? And similarly, the Yahud were jealous of the Prophet and the Arabs. They don't want any khair. Min khairin, any good. Some of the Mufassirin said this khair is referring to the Quran. Some said this khair is referring to the Prophet. But Allah made it general, so we keep it general. They don't like any good descending upon you from your Lord. But then Allah said, Wallahu yakhtasu bi rahmatihi man yasha. Allah specifies His mercy to whomever He wills. Allah chooses for His mercy for whomever He wills. Wallahu dhul fadlil azim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the owner of al-fadl, the great bounty, al-azim, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns all fadl, all good, all virtue. So here you will find the diagnosis of the illness they had. It was hasad, envy, and jealousy. And this is a marad, ikhwani fillah. May Allah protect us from this. Tayyib. Then ikhwani fillah, the final ayah that we're going to cover today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أو ننسها نأتي بخير منها أو مثلها ألم تعلم أن الله على كل شيء قدير الله سبحانه وتعالى said whenever a verse whatever verse we abrogate or cause to be forgotten ما ننسخ من آية أو ننسها نأتي بخير منها we bring a better one أو مثلها or one similar to it ألم تعلم do you not know and Allah ala kulli shayin qadir that Allah is capable of doing anything He wants. Tayyib. Here you come to learn of the concept known as naskh. Naskh, it means to abrogate something. To abrogate. And what is an abrogation, an abrogation in Islam is the removal of one rule and replacing it with another. The removal of one rule and replacing it with another. And this is something that happened often in our deen. The first naskh that we come across is the naskh of the Al-Kutub. Allah abrogated the Torah and the Injil and replaced it with what? With the, with the Quran. These, that's why we say uh, uh, these adyan nusikhat. These religions and these uh, books, they have been abrogated. They have been removed and replaced by the Quran. What does Allah say? We don't remove a verse Except we replace it with a similar one or one better than it, right? Similarly, when Allah removed these books, Allah replaced it with the Quran. The prophets themselves previously used to uh, do naskh of each other. What does Prophet Isa say to the Yahud? When Prophet Isa came to the Yahud, he said to them, Among the reasons I've been sent is, so that I can make halal for you. Some of that which has been حُرِّم عَلَيْكُمْ made haram for you. Right? So the, the Yahud and the, 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 the Sharia of Musa was very strict. Many things were made haram. Prophet Isa came and among the 
the hikam and the wisdoms and behind his sending was to do takhfif, to make things easy. What did he say? I came to make things, uh, to make some of the stuff that was haram halal for you. This is, uh, the Yehud rejected him, right? And they didn't believe in him. And they didn't believe he was a prophet. So, this is one. And also in the Quran, ikhwanifillah, you will find many, many naskhs uh, in the Quran. Uh, uh, and there are many examples that you can find. And generally speaking, the scholars, they, they split it into three. They say some verses, their rulings have been abrogated, but we still read them. The ruling has been abrogated, meaning we don't act upon it, but we still read them. Some verses, the ruling and the reading has been removed. So there are certain verses that were from the Quran, they were from the Quran, they were revealed, but we don't, they're not part of the Quran, you won't find them in the Quran today, nor their ruling. And one of them was, like Aisha narrated, Ashur Rada'atin Tahrum. There was a verse, there was a verse that was talking about how many times does the child have to uh, suckle the wet nurse for this child to be considered a, an actual child to the wet nurse and the, the, the wet nurse a mother. Because we know in Islam we have something, whoever uh, breastfed you, they will become like your what? Like your mother. It's called Al-Umm Min Al-Rada'ah. Al-Umm Min Al-Rada'ah. So, this doesn't mean once or twice. There has to be a limit. Okay, how often does it have to happen for this person to be considered your mother? Meaning what? That person doesn't have to wear hijab around you. You're like their child. You can be a mahram to them. All the rulings apply. Right? And the verse said, عَشْرُ رَضَعَاتٍ تَحْرُمْ Ten times would make it haram. Aisha said, that verse was abrogated and replaced with خَمْسُ رَضَعَاتٍ Five. The, the verse of خَمْسُ رَضَعَاتٍ Is there any hafiz in the Quran? Is that in the Quran? خَمْسُ رَضَعَاتٍ It's not in the Quran. So this is among the ayat that the, the recitation has been the recitation has been abrogated. Sometimes the recitation is abrogated, but the rule remains and vice versa. And similarly, you'll find sometimes we still read the, the, the verse, but the ruling doesn't stay. For example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah was talking about in battle, Allah said, one, uh, if there's 20 of you, you should be able to fend off 200. That is, one against how many? One against 10. So it wasn't allowed for, if, if there was 10 against you, you were not allowed to run away. But then that was abrogated to, uh, uh, to, uh, if there is 100 among you, you should be able to fend off 200. That means a person, how many? Two, which meant in, from the fiqh ruling, if it's three people that were attacking you, you were allowed to run away. But if it was two, you should, you should, you should defend yourself. So this shows you. So this verse, we still read it, but the ruling is not applied. Right? Similarly, and what is the benefit of keeping the verse that was abrogated still in the Quran to remind us how merciful Allah is to us? That Allah has made the rulings easier for us. Does that make sense? Sometimes... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, one that we all know, that a rule that has been abrogated. How many salahs were we initially have to pray? Did we have to pray? Fifty. And that has been removed and replaced with what? With five. This is all different ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does naskh. Naskh is the removal of a rule and replacing it with another. Um, one thing to remember, and this is a very important rule. The abrogation only happens with laws. 
not with uh, statements of fact or aqidah. If Allah tells us that there are angels, there's not going to be a verse because there are no angels, right? Because then, so what's abrogated are laws and commandments and prohibitions, not statements. لذلك يقال النسخ في الأحكام لا في الأخبار. نسخ happens in statements. Astaghfirullah. Nasr happens in, in, in rulings, not in statements. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us something about Himself, that's always going to say the same. And whatever Allah told us, uh, uh, whatever, whatever fact Allah told us, that always remains, that cannot be changed, but it is the rulings that change. What are some of the wisdoms behind the rulings changing? The scholars say, takhfifan, it is to make things easy for us. And there are other reasons that they mention as well. Um, uh, another one is, for example, the believers used to fast one day in the year, Ashura, and now that has been removed, and then now we fast uh, 30 days. This is not easier now, now it's actually more difficult. So it's not, this, this means that it's not always just looking at the ease, it's also looking at the circumstances and everything else. Tayyip. So uh, this is what Naskh is, and it is part of our deen. So why is this so important? Why is this so important, Ikhwani Fillah? This is important because... Uh, it was narrated from Ali ibn Talib, and I'm going I'm to stop here, inshallah. It was narrated from Ali ibn Talib, radiallahu anhu, that um, there was a man teaching. There was a man teaching and, and, and giving reminders during his time. And he said, who knows this man and where did he learn? And they say, He's a person that, that gives reminders. And he says, Does he know the, the rulings that have been uh, abrogated versus the ones that haven't been? Does he, can, does he, can, does, can he tell? And uh, they said, no. And he said that he shouldn't be speaking. He shouldn't be speaking. And it is very important that we know. Because uh, the scholars... Whenever, sometimes what happens is, so also it's not only in the Quran, it happens with the hadith as well. It happens in the hadith as well. So there are some hadith that have been abrogated. Who knows this? The scholars know this. And some, some, there are some books compiled on this, things that have been abrogated, rulings. For example, an example that I can give you is, uh, there was a hadith where the Prophet said, Make wudu if you eat something that fire touched, something that has uh, cooked. You should make wudu. Then, that ruling was lifted, and so you, should, so you didn't need to make wudu from eating, except for what? For eating camel meat, right? Uh, there, is, there is khilaf in it. But, um, so the scholars, when they discuss, has this been abrogated or not, it's very important because you will find sometimes a scholar saying, this hadith we're not going to act upon. And people might be thinking, astaghfirullah, how can you reject the hadith? But it is entirely possible that the Shaykh has concluded that this hadith is mansukh based on another narration or a verse. Does that make sense? So it's always good to appreciate this as well. Um, so I turned into a fiqh lesson tonight. Sorry about that. Uh, we're talking about abrogation and naskh. Uh, but one thing you have to remember always is that that which has been abrogated, we don't act upon. So we don't act upon the previous books. We don't act upon the verse that have been abrogated unless the recitation has been abrogated but the ruling remains which happens uh, every so often. I'll conclude here inshallah ta'ala. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org